2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host Dominic Booth. I'm delighted to be joined once again uh, by our dream duo of Samuel Luckhurst and Tyro Marshall. Thanks for joining us
1: both of you. Thanks for having us on. No problem. Pleasure to be here.
2: And it was another win for Manchester United on Thursday night. They stretched their unbeaten run to 17 matches and yet another three-goal margin victory over Aston Villa uh, with the goals coming from Bruno Fernandes, Mason Greenwood and a first goal since April 2019 for Paul Pogba. Uh, I guess it was it was another good performance by United, another free-flowing attacking performance in patches, but Samuel perhaps not the highs that we've we've seen in recent weeks hit by United at Villa Park.
0: No, the first 20 minutes they were very poor, they were Very uh, their passing was very scratchy. There were some careless errors. Uh, there was one point in the first half where where Matić, who's usually quite a placid player and on and off the pitch, uh, snapped at Bruno Fernandez. Uh, there were some techie um, comments from some of the coaches in the dugout as well. And then they got a little bit lucky, uh, well, very lucky, in fact, with with the penalty decision. Which uh, again, you don't want to dwell on VAR too much, but I think the objectivity of the whole system has just been completely compromised. In that, John Moss gave Fernandez a penalty at Tottenham last month. VAR said he was wrong. Uh, he, he gives another incorrect penalty to Fernandez, which I thought and most thought was wrong. Yet, they, they've they decide to uphold the decision it was almost as if they didn't want to crush John Moss's confidence. But I think, and, and I'm sure some people might see this in the literal sense, I don't mean that he's not thick skinned at all, but he does get an awful lot of grief out of um, the referees in the Premier League. And he's he's just not very good in general. Uh, so that, that really let United you know, off the hook. But Villa then showed why they are where they are, because they didn't have the the wherewithal to actually uh, get themselves up from just being one goal down and United completely seized on that and the timing of the second goal just seemed to kill Villa off uh, altogether and, and it was just a stunning strike from Greenwood but we've we've come to expect that though it's it's still a case of I think he's still young enough and he's still raw enough that you, you get excited with with every contribution he makes in every game and United are on the roll at the moment they look very formidable but I suppose the perspective for them is that they are, for all this improvement, still fifth. Uh, I don't think they'll end the season fifth. And, OK, fifth might be good enough to get back into the Champions League next season. But the, the investment they put into the squad and the progress they've made recently, they've, they've got to be aiming as, as high as possible. And and that is third and that is attainable. And that, that really, if they do manage to do that, that has got to be seen as a stepping stone to at least mounting a title challenge next season
2: yeah as, as Samuel says, Ty, we don't want to dwell too much on that VAR penalty decision, but there's absolutely no doubt that it it helped United, as Samuel says, and and they were able to, to string together a much more fluent display after that as if they needed that that sort of a boost. Is that a concern the way that United started the game and, and how they didn't get their passing going even with the the obvious first choice 11 that we've been talking about?
1: Um, I mean, it's a, it's a minor concern, but even the greatest teams, you know, even the best teams, the likes of, of City and even Liverpool, who've, who've run away with it this year, have days where it just doesn't work for them. I mean, Liverpool beat Villa at the weekend and, and with, you know, were pretty poor in doing so and, and struggled much more than United did. So there are going to be spells throughout a season where you have 20, 25, 30 minutes where it's just not happening for you and you have to stay in the game. And United managed to do that. They were They were a little bit fortunate. They were clearly second best for the first half an hour. But, I mean, that decision is the, the kind of thing, it's probably a bit of a cliche, but it's the kind of thing that, that goes for you when, when you're confident and when you're winning games and when you're on a good run. And it, it probably was fortunate. I mean, I'm not sure it was quite as bad a decision as everyone was was suggesting. Um, but yeah, they, they certainly got a stroke of, of luck with it. Had it not been given, I don't think VAR would have overturned it and, and given it. So they certainly got a stroke of luck from it. And, and you could see how much it, it changed the game really and, and changed the momentum of the game.
2: Yeah, I agree. Actually, I don't think it was a, a complete howler, but I was impressed, particularly Samuel. And I think um, Gary Neville awarded him the man of the match with Mason Greenwood's performance. He sort of seemed to take responsibility again for United in, in the attack. He's almost becoming one of the one of the senior. You couldn't say senior players, but one of the more reliable players in in the side. Someone who takes it upon themselves to take games by the scruff of the neck. And that finish was was vintage Greenwood, wasn't it? He was certainly one
0: of the few players who had had a bit of impetus about them uh, before United went 1-0 up. I think he drew a save from Reina from at 0-0 when he was very energetic. He, I mean, there's what more can you say about him at the moment? I mean, fortunately, where he is still only 18, I think he he, he can get even better. That's the that's frightening thing about him. And we've talked about how unpredictable he is, that he is two-footed. I remember in Perth last year, Solskjaer said he was... 51 49 in terms of left foot right foot but the more you watch him it, it does seem pretty much equal and anyone who has the confidence to take penalties with one foot and corners with another foot is a very very special talent just i mean that from the privileged position we have at the moment um in terms of that the actual copy from the piece of the game last night I managed to actually box it off before the game finished because the conclusion was pretty much a fair complete at half time and the more I thought about it the more I, I convinced myself that Greenwood is probably the, the most gifted and natural success story from United's Academy to the first team since the class of 92. And I mean that in terms, I know there are so many factors that you have to take into account there, but his promotion has been completely by design and not by accident. You look at Rashford's stratospheric rise, that was by accident because there were about two or three strikers out injured. Ashley Fletcher was on loan. James Wilson was on loan. Uh, Will Keane pulled his groin, I think, at Shrewsbury Town at the start of the week. The stars aligned for him, and he is a great talent, Rashford. But it's not like Louis Van Gaal was trying to get him uh, an opportunity at all. He just happened to take his his chance, and so did Scott McTominay to a lesser extent as well. But when you look at all the players that have come through um, in terms of the academy since that crop in the ninety in the mid nineties, and, and Phil Neville as well, uh, I, I don't. I've not seen such a, a polished run of performances from from a player like greenwood and the, the scoring run he's on is is phenomenal i know there's an awful lot of mitigation in terms of the Ronaldo and Rooney first season comparisons, but it is completely legitimate to, to make them comparisons. You get some very, very pure old people online who will talk about, oh, yeah, what about the Yanazai stats, was was one of the tweets I saw, which is just completely ludicrous anyway, because Yanazai, I think, scored about four goals or whatever it was in his first season. It's 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 just moot. Greenwood, on his own, is, is worthy of these comparisons because he is a genuinely special talent. I don't know why that has to stick in the craw with some some supposed fans. Ultimately, he's a player that everybody is enjoying watching. And for England's, from England's perspective, if they've got players like Foden and Greenwood and Saka um, to, to get into the squad for next year, they've got an even better chance of winning the Euros.
2: Yeah, the wider implications of, of what Greenwood's done this season will become clear in time. I guess you can start talking about young player of the years and, and things like that. and England call-ups uh, in the... In due course, but, but Ty, I did want to dwell slightly on Rashford because there have been a few critics of Rashford since the restart. I know he was obviously coming back from a fairly serious back injury, I think a stress fracture he had uh, in his back, which obviously the restart has allowed him to come back into the team when he wouldn't maybe have done so. What have you made of his form? Is it any in any way a concern or is it simply that other people are, are, are taking the headlines at the moment and Rashford's time will come again?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's it's a good sign that he's not been at his best. And United haven't really suffered at the, the spreading the goal scoring burden around. Now you're getting goals from the field with Fernandes, Marshall, and Greenwood are contributing. So you, you can afford to have one of your front three not in great form. And he's, you know, he, he's not been at the same level he was yet. It's perhaps understandable. I've been out for five months. I think it's it's noticeable that I, I put on um, on Twitter last night, and in one of the pieces I did that. Solskjaer has been able to to take players off early and and give players a rest in games. Yet, of the front six, really, of the three midfielders and and three attackers, Rashford is the one in these four games who has played the most and and been rested the least. So, that's probably a sign from from Solskjaer that he's aware Rashford is still searching for a bit of rhythm from his return. He was... I think he was better last night. He was unlucky not to score with that late chance. Uh, But he's still, you know, he's not quite firing on all cylinders as he was sort of December January time now and it's um but you know I think he'll get there and and the fact that the fact that United have been able to keep winning and keep playing so impressively while the player they were so reliant on earlier in the season hasn't been firing I think is is a very positive sign.
2: Absolutely yeah and United's first 11 is very very settled at the moment and Solskjaer will surely keep staying loyal to those players when when will the point come Samuel that that he's going to have to change his team. we talked about this a few times now and he keeps name, naming an unchanged side. It's the fourth game in succession that he did that at Villa. Do you think we've got a Southampton game on Monday and then a Crystal Palace game on Thursday? One of those those two games are surely going to see some changes.
0: Absolutely. There were telltale signs last night that certain players could do with a, a bit of a breather, I thought, especially in the first half where there were some very elementary mistakes going on um the, the sharpness wasn't quite there and that that was that was partly down to how well villa started as well i think villa looked very very good in those first twenty five minutes or so but it's i suppose it has to it has taken its toll a, a little bit to an extent but i he was completely right to play the same eleven again because up until uh, this point united have had long gaps between their games which has allowed Solskjaer to get away with that next week where you've got a Europa League style week and you've got the inconvenience of a Monday night game as well you are going to have to rotate and that is a given, it's just that you don't want to go to extremes. And I think one of the best, probably the second best thing about the Norwich FA Cup win, other than United actually winning it, was that Solskjaer realised how ludicrous it is to make so many changes uh, against the Premier League side. So when it comes to Southampton, he he should be making, I'd say at the very most, uh, half the amount of changes he made against Norwich, where he made eight. So you'd look at it, for, for Monday's game, you'd look at it and think, okay, take Matic out, um, maybe maybe give Rashford a breather because he's not been performing particularly well and he's maybe still feeling his way back in. Luke Shaw has, has started the last 17 games, uh, maybe won the centre-backs, I suppose, but it, it's, it's got to be three or four at the, at the very most. And then maybe those three or four players come back in against Crystal Palace and there are changes made to other areas of the team that don't compromise the strength of it. And I think provided you you assemble a team that you look at it and on paper, and that whole cliche about on paper seems relevant now because fans aren't inside stadiums. And the lack of an atmosphere does make the difference in quality tell an awful lot more than uh, it would otherwise. And in the United's case, they've got a better squad than 75 or 80 percent of the teams in in the Premier League, so they are going into the, into games now where people are expecting them to win. It's a case of how many they're going to win by rather than are they going to win? Whereas with the Norwich game, OK, Norwich are dead ducks. They're a championship team in all but, but official status at the moment. Yet they have got something about them in that cup game. They did play close enough to their full-strength side, I would imagine. And when you start to kind of like get a little bit complacent, take Mickey and bring players in who effectively in some cases, just the past where it comes to United. Now uh, you might, you know, you're flirting with disaster there and United did. They were minutes away from um, finding themselves in a penalty shootout with Tim Krul. So the Norwich game as as much of a uh, you know, as grueling as it was for United and toiling at times, I think it, it, it's timely in that it's reminded Solskjaer that he can't, he can't make so many changes to his team. And next week, there is a, it is going to be a very difficult balancing act. But if they do win those three games next week, that will be monumental. And the belief is just going to continue to course through the whole club.
2: Yeah, I think the, the disjointed nature of that Norwich performance with all the fringe players coming into the team, it has been reflected a little bit in the in the last twenty, thirty minutes of games, hasn't it, Tyrone? With the with the subs all coming on and the fluency being lacked a little bit. Is there any one of those fringe members that can put put themselves into the frame for a regular spot when they get the chance against either Southampton or Palace, do you think?
1: I think it's I mean I think it's unlikely. I think that side is so settled at the moment that it's it's difficult to see how you know, it would have to be some a, a sensational performance for, for anyone to get back into that side at the moment. But you know, it's not just about one game. It's about taking every chance they get. And while they might not be able to, you know, it's say, Fred or McTominay or Daniel James comes in against Southampton, it's it's not a case of putting in one good performance and getting back in the team. They need to be putting in three or four when they get their opportunity and impressing in training and 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 putting the work in and, and getting their spot. Back that way. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Solskjaer does manage changes next week. He has been able to rest plays at the end of games, but I was a little bit surprised he went with the same team last night. I thought he might try and kind of spread the changes out over three games after that that Norwich game. And, you know, if talk about maybe the, the three midfielders and the three attackers as, as players who need a rest. There was perhaps a scenario where he could have rested two for, for every game leading up to the, the semi-final. It might be a case now that he decides to make more changes against Southampton or Crystal Palace, which is perhaps more of a risk. But I mean, obviously, he was vindicated with with the, the fact that it was another comfortable victory last night. But as Samuel said, Samuel said, I think it's it's pretty clear you need changes on Monday and Thursday because he's going to want his his best team fit and as fresh as possible for the, the FA Cup semi final.
2: Yeah, one of those players he's going to need is Paul Pogba, of course, who announced his return with a a goal. Is he obviously? played a big part in the games previous to the Villa game, but hadn't found the, the back of the net. He also gave a couple of interviews before the game and afterwards, which sort of highlighted, didn't it, Samuel, how, how happy and content he is and and how the situation with Pogba just seems so much rosier now after a few decent performances and a fully fit player.
0: You know it's harmonious when Paul Pogba is talking and Mina Raiolo isn't. Uh, that's <laughs> that's pretty much the, the crux of it and Pogba, unsurprisingly, he's come back after a long layoff. Uh, he enjoys doing what he does. He's enjoying what he's doing at the moment. He's playing really well. I don't think anybody's surprised how well he's playing. Uh, transfer talk and all that is, is pretty much moot because of the pandemic and the chances of him even leaving this year are just they're like paper thin at the moment now, it seems. Uh Braille has just I don't think he's actually said a word since March, which must be a record for him. And he was, I thought he was very good again last night. I thought uh, even at nil-nil, he was one of the more um, prudent players on the ball. He was trying, he wasn't being reckless with it at all. He was trying to get a bit of rhythm about United. His, his goal was class. Um, I think if you, if you look at one of the replays, his. He's changing. He goes from dormant to dominant in a in a nanosecond. As soon as Fernandez makes contact with the ball, he, he looks like he's completely switched off. But he takes it, and I, I mean, Grealish didn't really cover himself in glory in trying to block Pogba's shot. But it was just a very, very well taken goal, and he's playing really well. And United are talking up the chances of him signing a new contract. Uh, the caveat or caveats to that are when Solskjaer says something could happen, the opposite tends to happen. Angel Gomez is an example of that, where Solskjaer I think, actually said, I'm, I hear it's not far away, or something to that extent. And as soon as he said that, I thought, well, Gomez is definitely leaving then. And when Pogba was asked about his future last night by Jeff Shreves, he completely dodged the, the question. And I completely understand why he would, because this is a player who for a long, long time has wanted to play in Spain, has wanted to play for Real Madrid. Uh, he has talked and Sorry, has spoken on the record as wanting to work with his boyhood idol, who is the Real Madrid coach again. I think what was telling was that when you go back to the World Cup and obviously Pogba's situation at United was very fraught. He was being linked more with Barcelona at the time rather than Real Madrid because Zidane had stepped away. As soon as Zidane came back in at Madrid... The Madrid talk starts again, and the talk actually pretty much started from Zidane and Pogba because they flirted with each other through um, press conferences, I think, in March last year. And it's completely understandable why a player of Pogba's brilliance would want to play for Real Madrid. And from a familial perspective, his, his wife is Bolivian, so she's a Spanish speaker. He speaks Spanish. Moving to Spain would obviously appeal to them as well. There's there's nothing wrong with Pogba wanting that, and I think if he has any principles about him, he will say to United, amid their efforts to try and time down a long-term deal, I really understand where you're coming from, but for years I've wanted to play for the, the, the man who I grew up idolising – at Real Madrid, because Real Madrid is what every major footballer um, is, is the club every major footballer aspires to play at. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Uh, some United supporters, uh, again, I've made the comparison before, but they're like Nancy from Peep Show. They just want good news, they don't want bad news whatsoever. So with Pogba, and United are kind of complicit in this as well, in that they have tried to kind of like airbrush these quotes from history where Pogba has spoken about. Wanting a new challenge somewhere else. I mean, the the film is out there. He said it. Um, he said it a number of times about not, you know, po- about possibly joining Real Madrid. It's an open secret. If he goes next year, so what? You know, okay, United would be losing a, a brilliant player, but this this was always bound to happen, and it was always in the career plan. And if anything, they've probably done well. If they do keep him until next year, at the very least, they will have done well to have kept him for for five years before he possibly does go to Madrid. I wouldn't still I would necessarily be surprised if he committed to United by signing a long-term contract. But given that he turns 28 next year, I think it is, um, that's him committing his peak years to United. And unlike with David De Gea, the Madrid armada has not sailed away. With, with De Gea, he had no options left, pretty much. It's certainly Madrid-specific anyway, whereas Pogba has still got that option. And the other issue, I suppose, he's got is that Madrid's interest in him, it pretty much went as soon as Zidane uh, stepped away. But when Zidane has been there, he is the one who's been driving that, that issue. It's not Florentino Perez. And of course, Zidane, it looks like he'll at least be there next season because they're in a very good position to win the league, if not the Champions League. Um, but who's to say whether he'll be there for the season after next because we know how um, you know, Perez goes through coaches like Confetti. So there is there is an expiry date on it, I, I suppose, in, in some cases. But uh, for, for United, they've, they've just got to enjoy him while, while they still can um, and, and maximise Pogba's brilliance as much as possible because, unfortunately for them, as soon as Zidane did come back in at Madrid last year, it was not a coincidence that Pogba's form in the running just pretty much fell off a cliff.
2: Yeah, United do seem in a much, much better place, Uh, Tyrone, even if Pogba did leave. Like Samuel says, we don't expect him to leave this summer now. But can you see a good contingency plan that United can, can put forward now with or without Pogba? I mean, the man they were talking about was Jack Grealish, but he didn't particularly outshine Pogba at Villa Park. And he looks a little bit forlorn at the moment, the Aston Villa captain. Maybe that's because they're heading towards relegation. Do you see a, a player out there that United can maybe keep their eye on as a as a future Pogba replacement?
1: Um, oh God, you put that one right on me, haven't you?
2: Um Kai Havertz and James Madison, I guess, have been mentioned as well in this yeah.
1: conversation. I mean, Madison's a bit like Grealish in that he was you know, he was playing very well in the autumn, but we've not really seen it from him recently. Leicester have struggled and his influence has, has diminished. Um I thought Grealish was poor last night. I said this earlier in the week, but he looks like he's carrying an injury to me at the moment. And he clearly, he, he's believed, I mean, it might well be true, but he's believed to the hype that he is Aston Villa's only hope. And he's now playing like he knows he's Aston Villa's only hope. And it's clearly not a recipe for success. So I, I think if you took if you signed Grealish and put him in a, a coherent team where it, the pressure wasn't on him, you, you'd probably get better performances. Um, have it as a possibility, but I don't really think he suits that position. I think he's more of a more of a Fernandez type, or, or playing even higher. We've seen him play as a, a number nine for, for by Leverkusen, so not sure he's really that type. I think the fact that you're clearly going to get another year from Pogba, by the looks of things, eases the pressure on United's need to sign a central midfielder. Um And I'm, I'm not sure a proper creator such as Madison or Green is an ideal replacement for him. He's he's kind of been playing this link role between Matic and Fernandez, so. Probably need more of a, a natural central midfielder to replace him, but I don't you think you might United need two can... players to replace him. Maybe you well, know, quite a possibly, deeper player yeah. and a, a another Fernandez type. Quite possibly, yeah. It's, um, but I, I don't think it's something United will be looking at just yet. I, I actually thought Roy Keane was quite interesting on Pogba last night. This is something I've been saying for a while, which is why I thought it was interesting in the um, <laughs> in that Pogba. Modesty is brilliant. Yeah, so no, yeah, thanks. Um, Pogba basically doesn't, he was suggesting Pogba doesn't want to be the leader. Um, and that I, I've always said that Pogba, United probably signed Pogba and hoped he was going to be the man to, to drag the rest of this team forward. But I don't think he's ever really been that type of player. When you put him in a France team that could win the World Cup or a brilliant Juventus team, he, you know, he almost garnishes those teams and, and adds a little bit more world class quality to them. But I don't think he's their kind of on pitch leader and the one who's, who's dragging standards up. Like Fernandez has done for United, so I don't think it's any coincidence that now we're seeing a United team that look like they have a plan, that are having a lot more possession, that are a lot more creative going forward, and a lot more enjoyable to play in. We're seeing much better performances from from Pogba. I think that's probably what he wanted all along, rather than being the one who's you know where eyes are on him and people are expecting him to produce a moment of magic. I think
0: I think that suits is... him a lot better. That, that's that's absolutely correct, in that I've I've spoken to people at United too, who who've worked with Pogba, and they were they were more critical of it. But the way they phrased it was that he's he was at his best when he was. I think the quote they used was a nobody in the team like at Juventus they'd have Vidal and Pirlo and Buffon, Chiellini, all those guys. The France team that won the World Cup was just laden with stars, um, and, and Pogba was one of those stars. But the fact he was surrounded by that talent pool really helped him. And United are nowhere near that, at the level of that Juventus side or the, the France team just yet. But it does help when you've got, I think it's fair to say that Fernandes is a world-class player now. You've got Greenwood, who is probably going to attain that status. Marshall is looking like a world-class number nine. Um, Pogba said himself in that interview in midweek that he's enjoying watching those players. He's enjoying taking a back seat, if you like, and seeing them score the goals be as creative as they have been. So it's it's definitely a role that suits him. And, and Mourinho wanted to make him the, the captain of the team, but clearly wasn't wasn't suited to that. And this role now where he's not the captain, he's not the playmaker, he's not the goal scorer, there's not this massive creative burden on him. It does suit him and he's really hit his stride.
2: Yeah, well, United will hope he continues where he left off as they face Southampton on Monday night. Uh... Another game back at Old Trafford. Another game against an opponent that they dropped points against earlier in the season. Whether we can really use those games as a as a measuring stick for the current United side is another matter though, Tyrone, isn't it? I, I don't expect United to labour as they did at St Mary's, uh, even though Southampton are a fairly decent side.
1: Yeah, I think you know these are a runner games where it, it kind of shows how bad United were earlier in the season and, and how difficult they were finding these games and, and finding breaking down these defences. It, it has completely changed now and I mean, you would have to expect another another home win, um, but with the caveat that there are probably going to be changes. And Southampton's away record is is absolutely sensational. I think they've got the fifth, fourth, fourth or fifth best away record in the league, and nineteenth at home. So most of their good work has come away from home, and they've obviously got a striker who is in fantastic form. So I think there'll be a test for United, and Danny Ings will will fancy causing that defence a few problems. But you would still have to think on on recent form and with, with a confidence so high, United should have enough for them.
2: Yeah, Danny Yang's certainly a player to watch. Not Probably not somebody we expected to, to be talking about in golden boot terms, but I'm a, I'm a fan of, of what Ralph Hasselhutl is doing at Southampton. But And Solskjaer did talk about the fact that he thinks that Southampton work harder, run harder, than anyone else in the league. And he said that he doesn't want United to be outrun uh, by Southampton. Is that something we're going to have to watch on Monday night, Samuel? Those... Work ethics from United?
0: Southampton were very good at Old Trafford last season. They won the best visiting sides when they they only just lost 3-2. They, they went one nil up in it and War prowse scored a, an equaliser in the second half. I, I mean, Hassan Hutzel is is a coach who's more aligned to what they were doing uh, between Nigel Ladkins and uh, what was his name? Was it Monsieur Pellegrino, the Argentinian coach who lasts about six months? Like they, they Obviously they got it really right with Pochettino. Um kuman was a decent um, appointment for two years, but then after that, they've made some pretty poor decisions, Mark Hughes being the worst of them. But Hassan Hutal is, is more aligned with what they were going for in, in the first place when they moved from Nigel Adkins to, to Pocatino in 2013. And it says something, it says a lot about him that they, they copped that absolute annihilation by. Leicester in uh, earlier in the season losing nine nil at home. It, usually that is a result that just ends a manager's career at that club there and then. But they stood by him, and I think he got a new four year contract uh, during the lockdown period. So that's how um, how content they are with with what what he's doing. And th- they were very resolute against City on, on Sunday night. Um, th- that doesn't in terms of personnel. There's not a lot about them that I find particularly impressive. I think they've probably got about three or four players in their first 11, you'd say, a good turns or have something about them. But it, it is it is the collective effort of, of the squad that he's got there. And as I said, they, they were very good at Old Trafford last season. Um, but the, the way United are playing at the moment, I, th- I think if anything, again, that, that period they had in the first half against Villa, uh, where they weren't playing well, that, if as if it needed to, that should reinforce. Force the focus a little bit more ahead of what's going to be a very very important week.
2: So is this all leading into another three-goal margin victory prediction from you, Samuel? Because you keep getting these right. I don't know. If I, I got you're in I discussion got it. with Solskjaer.
0: Yeah, I, I got it right completely with the three-nil one uh, for for Villa. Um, but, yeah, I, I suppose if, if it's if it's worked or if it's working, then I, I should probably stick by it. Um, it's, it is looking like it would be a surprise if United didn't score three goals at the moment. So, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd happily stick
2: with that. You have to stick with that, yeah. Uh, Tyrone, you did predict a, a tougher uh, game and a, a closer game at Villa. It didn't quite uh, go, as you said, although probably the, the scoreline should have been a little bit closer. Is this one you get, you think, again... United could be pushed a bit more.
1: Um, yeah, I think so. I think Southampton. Um, I think Southampton are, are a better side than than Villa, and with, with the changes that we're expecting United to make, and and the fact that Hampton are so good away from home, I would think it'll probably be a tougher game. But like Samuel says, I mean the form United are in at the moment, and the goal scoring threat in that team, it's difficult to see them not not scoring. Um, so. I I think they might concede again. I think the, the movement of Danny Ings might cause that defence a, a few headaches. So I'm going to go with 3-1 this time, I think. Very interesting into your stuff.
2: Well, just before we go, I'll get a quick reaction from both of you to the Europa League draw, uh, which is slightly convoluted with quarterfinals and semifinals and permutations and all things like that. But uh, the headline being if United get through their last 16 tie with lask Linz, of course, which they should do. They're 5-0 up from the first leg. They will play either FC Copenhagen or Istanbul Basiksha here in the quarterfinals. It, Samuel, it looks like United have got a, a good chance and a good route potentially mapped through to the latter stages if they can perform well against these teams. Well pronounced on the Turkish team that have the wi Actually, the I think somebody
0: described them as a Wi-Fi password name, uh, which <laughs> which is which is quite good. Yeah, it'd be it'd be astonishing if they didn't get to the last four, which of course is where there are some tricky teams uh, who they could come up against. Uh, the prospects of another United Wolves game. Uh, I know we we should be grateful to be attending games or being able to attend games, but that that is something that that does not excite me, un- unfortunately, and and from the. From United's point of view as well, that would be a very, very difficult one because Wolves in a, a straight knockout tie um, is as has the makings of a very, very precarious precarious game. I'm sure UEFA are delighted that Inter and Inter Milan and United have been kept apart until possibly the final. If if that were to be the final, that would be, a, a, I mean, it'd be it'd be great for the Europa League because it's it's just a, a final of European heavyweights. There's an awful lot of history there. Um, that the clubs have in Europe and, and between the clubs and, and in European competition as well. But I suppose Sevilla will bring back some one unwa- would bring back some unwanted memories from the the scandal in, in two thousand eighteen when, when United lost them. They've played Roma or played Roma so many times, um in, in Ferguson's latter years as well. So uh it's it's a pity for the supporters that they, they could be missing out on some some great trips to uh, Copenhagen or Istanbul or Seville. Sevilla, is, Sevilla is just beautiful. Uh, I was fortunate to go there a couple of years ago. I've been fortunate to go to Rome as well. I've not been to Athens. So um, the, the sooner fans are allowed to um, you know, safely make travel to these, these great cities across the continent again and, and watch the football, the better.
2: Yeah, Copenhagen would be one that, that really... Uh... Would have worked the appetite, yeah. although maybe not. Mm.
1: Helped the wallets
2: of the United fans if they have gone there. Yeah, I think Ty. Ty, have you done Copenhagen?
1: I well, yeah, I've done both actually. I went to Copenhagen for a City break uh, last year, and it was it was very nice and very expensive, as most of Scandinavia yes. is. But um, they've certainly gone it the right way um, around there. I've been to Istanbul, here as well. Start wow. of uh, start of last season, one of the few people when I was Burnley. Burnley, yeah. Burnley, played
0: them. Wow. Burnley. Yeah,
1: they did. Um, I mean, to call them Istanbul is, is generous, given how long it takes to get there from the centre <laughs> of of Istanbul. <laughs> it was about two hours in a taxi once you've uh, negotiated the traffic of, of central Istanbul. So it's uh, it's very much Jesus. on the fringes of Istanbul. But they are. I mean, it looks like they're going to win the Turkish league this year. So they're obviously no no mugs. I mean, they were hmm. they were dreadfully boring over two legs against Burnley last year, but. To, to win that league, I know the big teams in that league are all having a slump at the moment. They've obviously got something about them and they've got they have got some big name players. I think they've had Denver Bar there recently, uh, Adebayor I think, Gael Clichy's there. So They've got some some ageing Premier League stars in their ranks so I'm sure there'll be no mugs if, if they get past Copenhagen. It'd
2: be like getting in the time machine going back to Premier League 2014. It'd be very um, much
1: like Premier could, League years, yeah.
2: Yeah, we can maybe look forward to that one um, in the coming weeks. August should be packed full of European football and hopefully uh, for United they can progress through to to the latter stage in the competition. Um, But for this podcast I think it's uh, time to wrap up and say thank you very much to uh, Samuel and Tyrone. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks both for joining us and thank you for listening. Remember you can see all the latest United news on the Manchester Evening News website and you can leave us a like and a subscribe on this podcast as well which you can find in all those usual podcast places. But for now it's thanks for listening and we'll try and join you again very very soon.